0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizzik.com socks.
1: Without further ado! That's what the game's all about.
2: All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss
1: If you tried that again, absolutely not. Hello and welcome to a special NBA trade deadline edition of buckets here on the action network podcast network. This is our Friday happy hour episode coming to you on a Thursday evening to talk about a huge day and a huge week of NBA trades. We got the blockbuster. Finally, Ben Simmons, James Harden. We got the big one. Lots of other trades, too. A ton of big news moving around. We're going to try to piece it all together for you. I'm here with Matt Moore and Raheem Palmer at the Action Network. Matt, how are you feeling today with
0: everything going on? I'm so glad it's done. I just This week, it's exhausting. I've been tired the entire week. I've been trying to chase down everything. I'm glad it's done. Glad we get news to talk about. Excited for the second half of the season. Should be very excited. Very excited to go to sleep.
1: Yeah, sleep will be a good thing. Lots of news. I know, Matt, you've been on top of it all all week long. Raheem, your hometown, Philadelphia 76ers, made the big move today. We'll get to that one in a little bit. But uh, is there any buzz around town? Or how, how are people going to feel about James Harden coming to town?
2: I mean, I think the buzz is surrounding his
1: nightlife activities and
2: which <laughs> which club he's going to be at. Is he going to be at Delilah's? Is he going to you know be at Sin City? Like that's where the buzz is until he proves that he's actually going to help us win a championship.
1: (laughs) Well, that's true. So let's, let's get into it. We'll we'll start with that one off the top. We'll go long on Sixers. And that's obviously that's the big one that impacts title futures and everything else the most, then go through the rest of the East and get to some of the West trades after that. So Brooklyn trades, James Harden and Paul Millsap to Philadelphia. They got Ben Simmons. We knew that. What else were they going to get? Philadelphia hung on to Mathias Thibel. They hung on to Tyrese Maxey, but did he give up Seth Curry and a couple of first round picks? So Andre Drummond winning that one as well. So first thoughts, who won this trade? Is there a winner? Did they both win? Do we have a loser? Matt, what's your verdict?
0: I Man, I think it's, they both won, right? I think the, the, the real answer here is Daryl Morey won. That's, that to me is the real answer is that Daryl Morey won. There's a lot of like, Shifting ideas about how much you should like, quote unquote, stand or root for GMs or whatever. I'm just telling you, I've been covering this league for 15 years. Daryl Morey is better at this than everyone else. Daryl Morey, everyone was like, what are you doing? You're not in return for him. You're not getting a star. Just take some garbage. Just move him so that you can't waste this. Go get whoever. And he was like, no, I'm getting a superstar. And lo and behold, he doesn't just get a superstar. He gets his old superstar from Houston, a former MVP. I know that Raheem is going to be here to tell you about how washed James Harden is. I'm telling you that a hamstring is going to suddenly look a lot better. He's going to look a lot better and suddenly he's going to, look, going to start playing a lot better. I would not be surprised. Either way, Maury's entire thing is that he figured out that he can win the margins. Okay. He can figure out good players to find. Found P.J. Tucker. All right. He found all these guys on the perimeter, on the edge of the team that he can fit around if he's got the star talent. Getting the star talent is always the challenge. He got the star talent back. He fixed their problem with having a non-shooter. He fixed their problem with having a non-great perimeter creator. Even if you think Tyrese is really good and Maxey and Harden can play together. He got return for Ben Simmons. All he gave up was Simmons. Giving up Curry was big, but he didn't give up Theibel. Right? Gives up a backup center and first-round picks they were going to use anyway. I think They did really well. The Nets got as good a return as they got. I will tell you this, though, you're going to hear and I'm I'm sure Ryan's going to do this about like how good this return for the Nets is and all this. I just got to ask you guys, if last year at the trade deadline, right, they just acquired Harden a couple months before. If the 76ers called and said, we'll give you Ben Simmons on if they had Andre Drummond at the time, Andre Drummond, if they had Seth Curry at the time, a shooter and two first round picks for James Harden. Do the Nets say yes? Hell no, they do not. And that needs to factor into our analysis of this deal.
1: It does need to factor in. But I think the other thing that we have to factor in, but can't totally, is this is not last year, James Harden. This is this year, James Harden. I know, Matt, you think that James Harden is just going to turn back into Magic James Harden again, where he might know you think that James Harden's hamstring, it's getting to him and it's not going to come back. It's probably somewhere in the middle. We don't really know, though, what version of Harden we're getting. So you're right that Daryl Morey wins because he waited out and he got Simmons and he got the big package, but he got James Harden from the package. But, you know, is he getting, which version of James Harden is he getting? He's not trading for James Harden, the Oklahoma City guy who's about to explode and lead the team for the next seven years. He's about to pay a massive contract. They're going to owe, once he gives the extension, something like 470 million, I think, to him and and Embiid over the next five years. So it's a big package deal. Raheem, what did you think of the package that Philadelphia gave up here? We knew that Simmons would be in there if it was going to happen. How do you feel about Seth Curry being in the deal? Those two picks, is it worth that trade to have kept Maxi and Thibault around? You no, know, it's it's interesting because somebody actually made a good point
2: to me earlier, is that it's possible they, they might not even be able to play Thibault in the playoffs because of his lack of shooting. Now I'm glad they kept him because I think Thibodeau was an important piece going forward. But I'm not mad at them getting rid of Drummond. I'm not mad at them getting rid of Curry. To me, it just it just feels like it's a lot to pay for for an aging star. And I feel like I'm watching James Harden and he's not the same guy. And I know he opted in, but he was a free agent after this year. and You're going to have to pay him. This is the best that they could do. So I can't say that it's a bad deal, but I think Harden is cooked. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And if Harden is cooked, then this deal is, I mean, you're not going to win a championship. And I think you kind of have to judge every deal in which they make through the lens of, can this team win a championship? And I don't think they can win a championship with Harden at this point.
1: So let's talk about just the individual teams here. So let's, let's stick with the Sixers. So we've got Harden and Embiid. We've got Tobias Harris still. We have whatever is left of Danny Green. I don't know. Danny, I guess, is a starter. Either him or Thibel, whichever one is going to show up for whatever they've got that night. Seth Creed is a big loss here because, you know, they had to give up something. Maxie goes in the starting lineup, but the bench is nothing. Corkmaz, Nyang, like Millsap, I guess, plays some minutes. I don't know. There's not much there. It's really, really all in on Harden and Embiid. They're, they're big 2.5, I guess, if, if you count Tobias for whatever. So, Matt, what do you think about, you know, is there a depth issue here? And how do you feel like the pieces fit with hard in there?
0: Oh, we, we try, we, we trying to win regular season games. What are we we're talking about? Depth, we're talking about depth. No, no, you run, you're, you run an eight man rotation in the playoffs. Okay. Um, look at this Tobias Harris on the season is having a miserable season overall. On spot-up opportunities, he is still 61st percentile league-wide. On spot-up opportunities, Tyrese Maxey, 73rd percentile. You run out a lineup that's Maxey, Harden, any, like, weapon you want on the edge, you can either go defense with Tybal, go defense a little bit of shooting with Danny Green. You have a couple of other options. We'll see what they do in the buyout market. Tobias at the four and then beat at the five. You're able to run pick and roll, if you run pick and roll with Harden and Embiid, that's a nightmare, I think, for opponents. It's not the best fit. I like Harden with a rim roller. I like Harden with a Capella. Like, I want somebody who can just go up there and get the lob when he comes off. But what Embiid's going to do is he's going to pick and pop and go just right to that short midrange. It's about 15 feet, Balance pass, bucket, over and over and over again. You got a guy that can consistently get Embiid the ball. If they double him and Embiid handles the double team, which he's done better this season than he really ever has, I think there's enough shooting around them. They haven't had great shooting this year, but look where they still are in the, in the Eastern Conference playoff race. They've had bad shooting, and this is where they are. And they had James Harden. They had James Harden. I get they lost Seth, and that is big. Like, you would rather have kept Seth Curry. he was been great for them. But, like, all of this gets back to what version do you think you get of Harden? And here's what we saw. James Harden looked washed, overweight bad in Houston, couldn't do anything, maybe he's done, goes to Brooklyn last year and I got Brandon in my ear saying, he can win MVP this year. Doesn't want to be there.
2: I'm going to be honest with you, I think the narrative of what we saw in Houston was false. He didn't look washed in Houston. He didn't look washed at all. His first game of the season, he had 44-17. Look, man, how do you think he was trying, man? Hear me out, hit me out. He played nine games in Houston last year. First game, he had 44 and 17. Second game, he had 34 and eight. After the third game of the season, he injured his ankle. And then he played five more games. And that's when you you saw, all right, maybe he's not looking very good.
0: But then he goes to Houston and gets look, traded. So a lot of that was him. Look, I got to ask you this. Have you ever seen a – look, I'm with you on the idea that guys get old. He's only 32. Do you ever see guys at 32 just drop? No. Ron Williams. No, it's consi- it, no, don't be going there. Derron Williams fell off at 28. As soon as he made Brooklyn, he wasn't the same guy. Allen Darren, Iverson. Darren Darren Williams had like a billion injuries. He had like a major ankle injury that took like multiple years for him to react. James Harden has had a no, major No, James has a hamstring. tight hamstring, bro. He has a like that's not a that's not a, a ligament issue. Like I I'm I even here's the thing. Even if Harden is not prime Houston, I don't think he is. He didn't have to be like just filling in the gaps here. Second playmaker. He's still going to be such an upgrade. This is the best player that Embiid's ever played with. And he's playing at an MVP
2: level. Look, we've never seen Harden with a, a post center. So what is he just going to sit around and just do nothing? Chris Paul criticized him for not moving without the ball when they played together. So, yep. I mean, is he going to pass the ball to Embiid and just sit there and just do nothing and, and just act like he not, doesn't care on defense what's going to happen when you put those two in a pick and roll he's used to playing and switching defenses like to me there's just so many things that can go wrong here and i mean i don't think
0: they're a juggernaut right like i don't think that we can look at this and go like this is like a juggernaut team my big thing here is if the sixers are gonna lose it's because Embiid's not good enough that's what this like basically puts the pressure on is like this is a move to like help joel Embiid. And you're right. They have to play drop defense. I mean, is with Joel. it because
2: Joel is, isn't good enough? Or is it because Harden's not good enough? I
0: mean, we've, seen Joel. That's, we've seen Joel. It's because Joel. They're not expecting Harden to be one here. They're not expecting Harden to be one, bro. He doesn't want to be. He made that clear. He has to be the one. because uh,
2: Here's my thing. In today's NBA, your center kind of can't really be the one because down the stretch, who has the ball in their hand? It's your guard. Nikola Jokic is like, what are you talking about, bro? I mean, I, I mean, for the most part. I mean, but it's like Harden's going to have
1: the ball in his hands. I think it's unfair to just not really talk about the depth issue here because of the players that it's it's Joel Embiid and James Harden. Like this is not the playoffs where you can just say, okay, give our stars 42 minutes a night. We'll just run with it. The, we, we already know Joel Embiid has not made it through whatever length of playoffs and stayed healthy all the way through. And we're seeing that with James Harden lately too. So with those two in particular, I think depth does matter. You need them to stay healthy to get to the playoffs. You need them to make it through a long playoff run. It's it's title or bust. They want to win the title. You need eight weeks of healthy James Harden and healthy Joel Embiid. So I do think but that I matters. I, mean, I
0: will ask you this, though. Like, okay, Maury had said he's willing. Like, he doesn't feel the need to compete this year, right? Like, he was willing to hold on Simmons, right? Worst case scenario, James gets healthy over the summer, decides to give a damn about his conditioning, Right. Cause he's like, okay, I'm no longer in Brooklyn. I'm no longer playing with, with space cadet McGee. I'll actually, you know, go, go, go for a jog. Right. Comes back next year. They gives more of the, the off season. Like this is a part of it is I don't, if we're looking at at the immediate impact, I don't know that the Sixers are like a a, a hammer bet right now. I don't think that we're just like, Oh man, they're going to win the East. They're all, they should be the favorite. I don't think that at all. But I do think that like your depth concerns, I think are, are short-sighted, especially when we look at like, again, the Sixers team wasn't bad, Brandon. Like they've been good, and it's not, it hasn't all been Seth Curry. It's not, it's not Seth Curry and Andre Drummond making this team the, the fifth seed in the East, right? So, like, what are we really talking about here in terms of like who are we talking about in terms of, of a playoff rotation? Okay, we got Harden, we got Maxi, we got Embiid, we got Tobias. That's four guys. They'll play thirty-five. They'll play thirty-five minutes. You got Tybele. You got Korkmaz. Who else we got? Like, what are what are the other like question marks? on the rest of Danny. Right. No. Jake, and then they'll find a buyout guy like that gets you to nine. I don't know that we're like they're top seven. Pretty good.
2: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not concerned about the death. I, I think you do have to be concerned about the shooting to a certain extent, but I think you got Danny green. Maybe he'll, he'll be able to hit some shots. Tyrese will be able to hit some shots. Hopefully. Tobias will be able to hit some shots. I mean, they don't have the lights out shooters that they they had in Seth Curry, but I think they'll be fine there. I just I think it, to me it comes down to our Harden and, and MB going to be good enough, and I, I think MB is going to be good enough. I just I don't trust Harden. Yeah, I don't
0: and trust Embiid.
1: Well, and that's the problem. We have to trust both of them because it's all in on both of them now, and you have to trust both. They both have to stay healthy and both have to come through in the playoffs where we haven't seen it happen consistently from both of them.
2: I've seen it happen with Embiid.
1: The only no, reason why they it lost that. It happened with Embiid for like a week. You haven't seen it happen well, with Embiid. Yeah, what are you, for you long talking enough? about? You see that happen with oh, Embiid. What do you
2: mean? Embiid MB MB has, has had dominant postseason. And look, the only reason why they lost that Raptors series is because they didn't have a backup center who could replace my dude, them.
0: My dude, they lost to the Boston Celtics in the first round. They lost to the Boston Celtics in the first round. Hey, Do not no be Simmons. talking to me about with no Joel Simmons. With no,
1: with no Simmons. That was the year when everybody was picking the Celtics to go to the finals. I think that the timeline is not as far reaching as you think here, Matt. Joel Embiid, we know, is not going to keep in his prime forever. And James Harden is not just magically going to heal and beat all James Harden forever. So, The Sixers certainly, I think, believe they can contend right now. So I want to talk title futures. Before that, though, we haven't said much on Brooklyn. Raheem, I know that you're high on what this did for Brooklyn here. How do you feel like Ben Simmons fits in? What do you think the Nets look like after this deal? I mean, it's tough because they'll have Kyrie, who's only eligible for 10 more games this season because he's
2: not playing at home. We don't know what Simmons is, but I do think this has made them... Better and more rounded. Obviously, you got two lights out shooters in Seth Curry and Joe Harris. Whenever he gets back, they finally have a center and Andre Drummond. Look, he's not a good defensive player, but it does add some rebounding to a team that is really one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. Kevin, when he gets back, he's going to fix a lot of their problems. So, I just think they're a more balanced roster. Look with KD. James Hart and Kyrie Irvin on the floor, they were scoring about 122 points per 100 possessions. Maybe that comes down to, you know, 115, 117, 118, but you're still a, a top tier offense and you could do a little bit more. So I really like what it, what it does for this team. It's just unfortunate because you're not going to have Kyrie for, for home games. And I like the Nets. I, I mean, I'm still not picking them over the Bucks,
1: but I think they're top one, two seed in the, in the East, so, in my opinion. I think we really need to see what, what is Ben Simmons going to look like. First of all, what's he going to look like on a basketball court again? The last time we saw him, he was passing up layups underneath a hoop in a huge moment, and we haven't seen him play basketball since then. So what shape is he in? Is he ready mentally on the court? How's this locker room going to work with Ben and Kyrie and Durant? We don't know any of that stuff yet. So yeah, yeah. So, some interesting looks there are going to happen for sure. I'm intrigued, though, because... Ben Simmons, if he's willing to take on the Draymond-type role, and I know that we've talked about that before, if he will do play the five, basically, and have Durant and Ben for stretches, for closing stretches maybe, if that can be the two big lineup, that's a way to play small without being small at all. That's not a small lineup. But to be able to have Ben defending there, I think it is especially interesting because now when the Bucs play their small lineup with Giannis at the five, Ben Simmons at the five. That's interesting. That might be an option against Giannis, who's the most important team to match up against. If the Warriors get healthy again, if they get to the finals, to have Ben Simmons to match against Draymond and take him out of the game, we've seen in the past when teams do that to the Warriors. I think that's interesting too. So I like the Nets. If they can get Simmons into that role, we don't know. But offensively to play that hub and pass out of it to like five or six elite, elite shooters, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Kyrie, Patty Durant. It, there's a lot, a lot to like, I like the versatility too. There's a bunch of big men for the nets. We'll see if there's anything left for any of them, but they have like, you know, the old shack days where you just stacked up some big men to get your 18 fouls, you know, Drummond adds to the list. They they can throw some bodies at Joel Embiid or Jokic I just think that the trade gives the Nets options and the, the trade does not give the Sixers options. The Sixers are all in on Harden and beat is exactly what it does. I think when we get to the playoffs, we talk about this a lot in the playoff podcasts. is you want to be able to be versatile and have some possible answers to, solu- to questions being asked of you. I don't know if, if uh, Philadelphia is going to have a lot of answers they can give. I think that there's a lot of answers that this Brooklyn roster could give now.
0: I want to uh, make it clear. I don't think we can guarantee Drummond's going to be on the roster. It's possible they buy him out. That's just like a, that's on the table. Really? That's I mean, interesting. Maybe they keep him.
2: And one thing I want to say, I'm shocked that they kind of let um, DeAndre Bimbrey grow. I, I yep. felt like he was a, a piece that I feel like he's going to be great for whoever team decides to pick him up. Cause I
0: like, to me, I, I love him. So, um, Brandon's argument is if Ben Simmons does the one thing that literally he's resisted doing um, his entire career. No, that's shooting. Then that's the second thing. No, like uh, if he, if he refuses to play off ball and play center or if he volunteers to play, play center and play off ball, like, I don't know, man, you're going to have to convince me. You're, I'm going to have to see Ben do it. If Ben goes through this entire process and comes back now, here's nothing we, we should talk about. KD's not coming back for a little bit might be mid-March. Could be earlier. Might be mid-March. There is no timeline on Ben returning because he's he's dealing with whatever the mental stuff has been oh so he still has mental health issues even though he got traded. That's we'll see. We'll we'll see how that works out. But he's also gonna have to get in condition. He hasn't played basketball for eight months. So if he hasn't come back until mid-March, what 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 does this look like? Because the Nets without KD have been uh, horrific, absolutely nightmarishly bad, and as good as Seth Curry is, again, not expecting Seth Curry to just walk in the door and like, oh, everything's fixed. We got Patty Mills and Seth Curry. Some Spurs ass basketball team right there. Um, so, like, I, I have, I, I have some concerns about what seed they're going to get, what route their playoffs is going to be. I have a lot, of, like, a, a bunch of random concerns, and. Now, maybe Ben is like magically better and he just like he starts next week. Right. I like a lot of the conceptual stuff. The Nets want to switch everything. That's their base scheme is they want to switch everything. It covers for them in a lot of ways where you switch everything with um, Kyrie and that way you don't have to deal with his defensive liabilities. KD can switch Simmons is maybe like he is probably maybe the second or third best switch defender in the league. Right. So you can switch everything. I still don't know if they're going to play him at five. And especially in the East, I think it gets tough when you're looking at, you can run it versus Giannis at five. You can't run it. if They get Brooke back. That gets tough. Simmons. I'll say this doesn't do as well in the post as you might think defensively. Like I, I'm the guy that's bet on Ben Simmons, the one defensive player of the year, last couple of years. And that's the one area. Ben really does get trucked. He doesn't have great strength in the post. So, Bama Debayo, Joel, obviously, Giannis, those type of teams, I think are going to have a little bit of an advantage um, if they try and run Ben at five and they switch everything. And again, we're still back to the same thing of the front court still looks like Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge or, you know, and now it's like, okay, if Drummond plays, all right. But I mean... Guys, if they can put Kyrie Irving and Andre Drummond in a pick and roll, do you feel good about it? Because I yeah. would not.
2: Kyrie with no Durant Harden, they're getting outscored by 3.3 points per line of possessions. And there's nothing in this trade I mean, look, I mean, ben, if Ben plays, I think that changes. But if Ben doesn't, then I don't know. We could, we could be talking about this Nets team possibly missing the playoffs if Kevin doesn't get back soon enough.
1: So we'll, we'll talk about the bottom of the East playoff uh, race in a little bit, but to wrap up this, obviously we'll have plenty more to say about Nets and Sixers soon. Uh, but I want to just get from each one of you, one actionable takeaway just from the Sixers or the Nets. Is there a future? Is there title odds you're playing? Is it to miss the playoffs? Is there a night to night angle? What is, what's one actionable takeaway, Matt, for either one of these teams?
0: Uh, I went in and grabbed Nets at plus 450. I found a, a 450, so I grabbed it. Um that's too much value for me, right? Like we talk. like I can sit here and talk about all the reasons I still don't believe in the Nets, and I don't, but they're plus 400 right now, Bet MGM, I think anything at four plus is good value. They're going to have the best player in every series, except for when they go up against the bucks, when you can argue that Giannis is better, but even then, like I think they're tied. I think Katie and Giannis are the two best players in the NBA, but like Jokic, a very, very close second. Um, so I think having, KD is a very, very, very big deal. And if I'm getting four to one with a guy that I've said is a, is, is the best defender in the league and Ben Simmons and mm-hmm. the best overall player in the league, at some level, like four to one, I have to bet it. I don't like it anything less. Like I don't think there's value at 350. And we're talking about like degrees of, of percentages here basically off of the implied probability, and you have to factor a lot of stuff in. But this is a feeling thing. And for me, I like Nets in anything four and higher. I don't want Nets in anything below four.
1: Yeah, I think Nets future is probably the angle for me too. It, everything about the Nets is speculative. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know how much Kyrie will play or what Ben will look like. I think too, it's interesting as we're starting to see some of the pandemic measures rolled back. Is there a chance that Kyrie could end up being able to play home games as well? That's a that's a totally random variable that we have no idea how to factor in, but obviously a huge impact. Raheem, what's one uh, actionable angle that you take on Nets or Sixers going forward? Yeah, honest with you, I'm not
2: betting either one of these teams at least at this moment. I, I think there's just there's there's way too many questions for the Nets at this point. I think I think this line can get lower. Like I mean, it, we're looking at plus three seventy right now, certain places. Maybe there's some four to ones at other places, but I actually think you can get a better number later on, especially, I mean, because Kyrie's not playing home games. So, like, how, how low can the Nets drop? I, I just don't think we've reached the bottom of the market yet. And the Sixers, I just don't believe in. Like, I, I said it before, I don't believe, I, I believe James Harden's cooked. And until so proven otherwise, I'm going to roll with it.
0: I got one for you, Brandon. Uh, Nets' Suns finals matchup is plus 650.
1: Interesting. So do you really feel better about the six fifty including the Suns versus the four fifty on just the Nets?
0: I I do because I think Phoenix is way I think Phoenix is way better than both of these teams. All
1: right. Well, let's keep going through the top of the east, other than the Nets and the Sixers, which may or may not be in the top of the East. The Heat and the Bulls stand pat. The Heat did get pick up a few picks for a move that can help them in the future. The Milwaukee Bucks, their big move is Dante DiVincenzo out, Serge Ibaka in. That was a four-way deal, but that's kind of the marquee there. And then the Cavs, we're going to include them in the top of the East. Cavs added Karis Levert. That was not today on the deadline, but over the last week. So, Matt, I know you like the Levert edition. How do you feel like we play Cleveland going forward? Is the division odds something you're looking at there?
0: Yeah, I already bet on This is my play when it came out. We wrote right about it on action. I bet been a plus three ten. I, you know, uh, Cleveland has shown just consistently they win games. It's you can find all sorts of warts under the surface, but for a regular season team, their performance like that starting five is just pretty dominant. And so they've got more incentive. I think the Bulls are so injury beset; like they're not getting Lonzo and Caruso back for like another four weeks. Don't know when those guys are going to be back. I don't know what their record is going to be by then. Milwaukee could definitely turn on the jets. I haven't seen any sort of indication that that's Milwaukee's intent. Milwaukee does not seem to be like, okay, after all-star, we're just going to start ripping through teams. They get up for games like the Lakers and they screw around in games versus the Pistons. Like that's who they are this season. And they just don't, the Cavs already have wins against them. They have tiebreaker opportunities. I like the Cavs to win the division. I think Levert, there was some good stuff that we saw last night from how they looked at that combo. Garland's going to have the all-star break to get his back, right? Garland, Mobley, Allen, Levert. That's enough for me to think that they're going to win the division. I think there's value there, especially at three to one.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Raheem, what's your takeaway for either the Bucks or the Cavs here? Does Ibaka move the needle for you at all? Is he got anything left? I don't know if Ibaka has much
2: left. I, I actually don't like the loss of DiVincenzo. Um, it's not like this, team, this Bucks team has a ton of guards. So you might've said it earlier in spaces that Maybe the addition of Abaca says a lot about where they think Brooke Lopez is, um, which is, I mean, a big loss. But I'm just not sure Abaca has much left. but I, I I tend to agree, as far as like regular season, the Cavs have some value on them winning the division.
0: That's somebody that's got a lot of Bucks features. I'm a little bit worried here. You look at the title team last year, and they're now going to be missing PJ Tucker, who played a key role in some series. Bryn Forbes, who helped them win the first round series versus the heat and Dante DiVincenzo, who was big and hit in various series. So I know that DiVincenzo got hurt, was out for the finals. and They won just fine. This is just like. You talk about depth, Brandon, like they don't those other guys that you need to like have big moments. We got to believe that Grayson Allen is going to be able to step up in those moments and hit big shots and not be uh, suspended for five games for trying to cut somebody's throat like they need some sort of. I'm a little bit worried about this. Ibaka has not been able to get on the floor for the Clippers. Like, he's just not been healthy. And he's up there in age. Like, he's a guy where he doesn't have it, right? If Brooke does not come back, I am concerned. I am deeply concerned. And I don't know, like, this is what I'm saying about the East. There's there's value because the odds are shorter. But it's just like, look, the 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 Bucks lost a lot of pieces from the, the team that won the title. The Nets are relying on Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Yikes. The Sixers are, rely, are relying on James Harden in a city known for cheesesteaks. Yikes. And so, like, I'm kind of left with, like, are they, he going to win the East? Like, that's where I wind up going. I, I do think that these, the, the losses of the guys, I, I, DiVincenzo, I thought was a, uh, he's been bad this year, but I thought it was a mistake by the Bucks to let him go, especially for Ibaka.
1: Yeah, it felt like the Bucks kind of pre-decided that they weren't going to pay DiVincenzo this summer and then just got something that they could get for him. But it is worrying that, you know, you bring in a I think, tells us the most about Brooke Lopez and where they go from here.
0: So they're um they're in the they're in play for Goran Dragic as well. That's not done, but he's one of the teams that there that is that Dragic's camp has interest in. So that
1: that's a good transition to the the kind of the bottom of the East playoffs. So Celtics, Raptors, and Hornets all made some moves. Celtics traded for Derek White. That was kind of out of left field. Spurs not normally a team that makes a trade deadline deal. So Derek White comes in. Daniel Tice is back. Uh, Schroeder is out there. Celtics are on a six-game win streak, twelve and four in their last sixteen. The Raptors they're on a seven-game win streak, sixteen and six since New Year's Eve. They added Thad Young. So, Drogage is out there. Thad comes in, another long-rangey defender. The Hornets picked up Montrezl Harrell basically for free because Washington was moving on for another reason, for a deal we'll come back to. So, at the bottom of the East, Celtics, Raptors, Hornets, Celtics, Raptors especially, either one of those teams could keep out the Nets or Sixers from a playoff spot or at least out of the play-in tournament. So of any of those three teams, Raheem, is there one of those that you feel good about or do any of those moves excite you of Celtics, Raptors, or Hornets? The Celtics. When you look at the Hornets, they can't defend, period.
2: And they're really reliant on Gordon Hayward who can't stay healthy. Uh, you got a team who can't defend. That means on any given night, even if the Hornets are hitting shots, it's very hard for them to put teams away. When you look at the Raptors, I love the Raptors. Uh, Fred VanVleet is my guy. OG Ananobi, Pasco Siakam, Scottie Barnes. But they struggle to score consistently in the half court. And they're going to be a tough team for teams to be able to put away and, and beat consistently. But I think ultimately their, their half court offense fails them, especially in the playoffs where things tend to slow down. The Celtics, to me, they just they have top-tier talent. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, those are two guys who – I think they can win you a game in the playoffs. And Marcus Smart is going to be able to make some plays. I like the addition of Derek White. Defensively, he can hit threes. I just think they have the most complete team out of those. Like, actually, on the Buckets podcast the other day, I actually gave away the Celtics plus 900 to win the Atlantic Division. We're down to plus 500. Just because I think this is a team that really has a shot to to make some noise, not only in the division and for the rest of the, the season, but in the playoffs, I, like, when you look at over the last couple of weeks, they're first in defensive rating. So they're finally starting to put the, put things together defensively. I think if they buy out Schroeder, who really hasn't been a good fit, they should get even better. So I, I like this team.
1: Yeah, and Schroeder actually got traded for Daniel Tice, who was a strong fit for them last year. So he kind of bolsters the rotation there. They've got Horford, they got Time Lord, and just a, a lot of defenders now. And... Getting Derek White in for Schroeder is a huge upgrade for them because that just was not working for them. White is an excellent defender, where Schroeder was certainly not. So I like this for the Celtics. They, to me, remind me a little bit of the Heat from a couple years ago as a team that really shouldn't quite beat those top, top East contenders, but are going to push them all the way. And the wrong injury at the wrong time or a couple hot shooting nights or something the Celtics could really spoil the playoffs one of these other teams, and they're coming hard. I think that they're going to be out of the play and race and in there. Uh, I, I like the Celtics. Matt, uh, what about Celtics Raptors or Hornets? Are you excited about the moves any of them made?
0: So the front court's pretty good with Horford and Williams, like that's a good combo. You've got some depth. you got some versatility. Horford can shoot a little bit. The problem with White, honestly, is that he's shooting thirty one percent from three this season. So you got White and Marcus Smart. Like your ideal probably closing five is Derek White, Marcus Smart, the Jays, and Robert Williams. That's they like the switch. So that switch all tough defense, good playmaking. But if you're relying on Jalen and Jason to carry so much offense in that situation. Like they're going to be able to grind it out versus any team. Like, but I think Chicago is going to be miserable versus them. If they get Chicago in a first round series, I'm probably going to be on Boston because they've got the size of combat Vooch and they're just going to switch everything and, and make Demar hit contested stuff versus good defenders in a playoff spot. And as Raheem well knows, that's not a good spot for, yeah. for now. Um, now, Levine might be able to do it because Levine's awesome, but I, I worry about the offense, right? I, mm-hmm. they lost, they didn't add shooting here. Like they don't have a uh, better shooting. I don't really get the Tice thing. Like they had other offers for Schroeder that I thought, would have been way better, honestly. Um, I don't know what was involved, what they needed to. Like, they had talked to the Bucs about uh, DiVincenzo. Would have loved that for Boston. I think That gives you, like, a, a combination of things. But White is really good. He's going to get better. He's on a manageable deal. It was a good trade. Um, I'm not like, oh, wow, the, the Celtics can win the Eastern Conference. It's just like, oh, they they are not, like, they are now. I, well, I guess here's the thing, though. Because, Brandon, you mentioned, like, them getting out of the play-in. So, Heat, Bucks, Bulls, Cavs, Sixers, and right now Raptors. I guess they can leap the Raptors. But the Raptors are also basically saying, like, well, we're just going to play our starters 45 minutes every night so we can make the playoffs. Everybody around the league, this is what they thought. They thought, that I had somebody say this to me. They said, we'll know what direction the Raptors are heading after the deadline. Because Nick Nurse wants them to go try and get better. And the front office has been kind of on the fence about it. And I think basically what they did was they, they met halfway. They make this move for Thad. They don't do anything major. They're still going to have to play the starters a billion minutes. They still have no bench. And they're going to see how far this team can go. And if it makes some noise, okay, maybe you can swing for the fences. But I'm thinking that I think the Raptors probably do fall back into the plan. Um, I do think it's interesting that the Celtics, everybody in their division, except for the Knicks got better at the deadline and the Raptors added that young. And that's, to me, is a little bit concerning.
1: Yeah. The, the play in in the East could actually end up pretty interesting. The Hornets, you know, will will are in good position right now. Montrez Harrell obviously isn't going to move the needle in a huge way, but he's gonna be fun. I will be looking to play Montrez Harrell prop overs for sure in that run and gun. We know he's just going to run and catch, you know, alley-oops and just get a ton of points with the on those guys, Penn State probably comes down to Hornets and Knicks at this point, because the, the rest of the East is basically kind of fallen off the map there. But the, the play-in though, you, you didn't even mention the Nets. We just kind of are grouping the Nets into the play-in at this point, which is where they're at right now. If the Sixers or the Nets fall into the play-in, and I know they're still going to be favored, but you might have to beat Toronto or Boston. You might have to beat Atlanta, also, who's coming on a lot stronger recently those are good enough teams to beat you in a one game playoff and knock you out of the playoffs entirely. So I will be very curious to see what does it look like for, to miss the playoff odds on the Sixers, on the nets. If you, if you're in the plan, anything is possible. There. The
0: Sixers. Yeah, I got one for you. Sixers right now are up. It's one of two, there's two teams that are up on DraftKings, Kings. Plus 1600, 16 to one for the Sixers to miss the postseason,
1: I did that one on uh, our buckets a couple of weeks ago, but it's yep. funny that that still is the line, even with Embiid playing this well, even with Harden there now, still 16 to one.
0: Can't yeah. Get there. I, I just can't. But he's washed Raheem. <laughs> he's not that <laughs> washed. <laughs> All
1: right. So the Hornets pick up Montrez Harrell because the Pacers and Washington Wizards are bottoming out. The Wizards offloaded Montrez Harrell, of course, because the Wizards made one of the other shock additions in the day. As we go west, the Dallas Mavericks, out of nowhere, in the middle of our Twitter spaces, absolutely dump Christoph Porzingis on the Washington Wizards. Porzingis for Dinwiddie, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Davis Bertans. Dallas extended Dorian Finney-Smith. They kept Jalen Brunson around, so presumably they're going to keep him. I was thinking that this was maybe partially a salary move. You're freeing up some money to keep these other guys. They didn't free up any money. Porzingis costs the same price basically as Dinwiddie and Bertans. So Matt, we reacted live to this before and had no idea. It's several hours later. I still don't have any idea. Have you figured out what the Mavs are doing yet?
0: Uh, this has been floated out by a lot of people around the league. Um, they turned one bad contract into two smaller ones. That's the way to look at this is that it's easier to get return on more manageable, smaller deals than one big albatross. Look, Porzingis and Doncic never got along from the time that he got there. It never clicked. There was lots of rumors, lots of reporting on the disconnect between those two, two years ago and a year ago. And then all of a sudden magically this season, it's kind of gone away. I think there was an agreement there that look, I need you guys to be quiet, get along. Otherwise we can't make this, make this work. Porzingis had a good season, but then Porzingis once again has his knee problem. And if you just don't have faith that he's going to be available, then if you're the Mavericks, you can't, you cannot be reliant on a guy that is going to miss such a high percentage of his games. He has not played in more than 70% of his games since his sophomore season. He's just not available. And that's not necessarily his fault. Nobody chooses to be injury prone, but he is. And so that availability, I think, hurts. Now. Going to Spencer Dinwiddie and Thomas Bertans is a choice. Um, Dinwiddie, like the Wizards were desperate to get off Dinwiddie. They signed him and it was just a disaster. Everybody in the locker room hated him. We'll see how that works in Dallas. Maybe he gets along better with those guys. He and Mark Cuban could be crypto bros. Then you got Bertans, who I will just tell you, like he's shooting 31% for three this season for a non-defender, can't do anything else shooter. It's bad. Uh, He is a defensive liability of the worst degree. Teams will absolutely pick on him in the playoff series. The Mavericks got worse today. There is no question about it. Not only did they get worse, they didn't trade Jalen Brunson, who they planned to sign to an extension in this this summer. Okay, They're locking up money there while still having Dinwiddie on the books probably. And they committed a $52 million four-year deal to Dorian Finney-Smith, Really good player, like solid, solid role player. But why? Like, what? Why? Um, I think you got to downgrade Dallas here based off of this deal. I think they could get actively, like, this is uh, subtraction by addition, in my opinion. Like, even with Chris Stapp's out for so much, their big man rotation, they had to wave Moses Brown to make room. Their big man rotation is Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, who they actively tried to trade, is coming off of, like, had an Achilles surgery, no big man's ever the same, and Marquise Chris. That's it. That's a big man rotation. If I had Mavs futures, I would be very concerned. Dallas not only
1: gave up Porzingis, Dallas added a draft pick to this deal. Only a second rounder, but, like, Dallas did the Chicago Bulls. Here, have a draft pick, too. We don't want them anyways. You just take one to finish the deal off. Like, they gave up. The player who is a borderline all-star right now, by the way, he's been playing, Porzingis is one of his best stretches of his career and had to add a draft pick to take on two assets in Dinwiddie and Bertans that had very little slash negative value. So, you know, again, we have to talk about, like we have to assume that the GMs know what they're doing. They've called around, they they know what value is out there, that this is what was out there for Porzingis, I guess. I don't know. The last time Porzingis got traded, it kind of came as a shock and we found out afterward that there weren't a lot of calls around. So maybe this was just another one of those quick as he came and he went quickly out the door again. If
0: so you want to know like, Here, I have a little bit of tidbit on that um, from my understanding, and maybe I'm wrong on this, um, but from what people I talked to, nobody had really heard anything about Porzingis until this morning. They basically mm-hmm. like woke up on Thursday morning and chose chaos like they, like they basically came in and go, because everything I heard in the day before is that they were shopping THJ. And what I actually found out is that they used trading THJ who's out for the season with a foot injury and his contract as a test market to see what teams would take on that kind of money. And then they came back to the table with Porzingis
1: thing. Now having THJ and Reggie Bullock and Davis Bertans, It's like, they're just like, Hey, you know what? Luca needs shooters. What if we just find a bunch of guys that just shoot the ball? They only shoot. All they do is shoot. They don't pass. They don't rebound. They don't defend.
0: We need to start nailing Luca like oh assist overs, right? Like that's what we need to yeah, see.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good call. My all right, let's keep moving down. So we had earlier this week we had a, the race for the West ten seed exploded, <laughs> and apparently everyone is just dying to lose to Los Angeles. So. The one that really shocked me just came out of left field. We knew the Pacers were blowing things up. They had dealt Laverde already. Suddenly on Tuesday, the Pacers trade away. Domana Sabonis and Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb to the Sacramento Kings. The Kings we knew were looking around. We thought they might trade Darren Fox. They kept Darren Fox. They kept Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes. And they added Sabonis. They trade away star young point guard Tyrese Halliburton, who's blowing up the sophomore season right away, buddy healed. This was a huge one. Sabonis looked awesome in his debut for the Kings. The Kings are all in on this version of their 10-seed team. Raheem, what are the Kings doing here? I mean, like you said, they're all in. And I'm mean, look, based on
2: last night's game, Sabonis looked really, really good. And you can't sell hope to, to fans forever. And as much as we like Hollybird and the whole world was criticizing that trade, maybe this might be get them over the hump as far as potentially making the postseason or at least the play-in game. So I didn't get it at first, but, I mean, after last night, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the Minnesota Timberwolves, they played three games in four nights. Sometimes you got to go for it. And I don't like trading Halliburton, but they do have an all-star in Sabonis to pair up with Fox and Mitchell and and Barnes. And this could be a French playoff team for this year or next year. So – that's what it appears that they're going for. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it feels like a fringe play-in team still this year and next year. So the, the Kings just keep doubling and tripling down on what hasn't been working. I don't understand it. Tyrese Halliburton was the future, uh, and I like you. know, He's not the star that Stabonis is going to be. I don't know if he's an all-star, just because he's not an all-starry type player. But Halliburton is a winning player. He's a guy that you he can be your second, third, fourth guy on a winning roster next to other winning players, uh, Sabonis has to be your best player and everything has to flow through him. And then that puts a cap to me on what the ceiling of a team can be. And that's kind of what the Kings are doing here. Halliburton with other guys, Buddy he healed as a shooter with other guys. To me, I don't know where the Pacers get the star now. They need someone, but I like getting those guys and being able to build around that for Indiana. Matt, we've never really seen the Pacers blow it up or go in the tank or rebuild. Are they actually doing that for once?
0: No, all indications are that they're keeping miles Turner. If you're keeping miles Turner, you're probably keeping Malcolm Brogdon. So your new core is Malcolm Brogdon, Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte and miles Turner. And then you try to add around that. I don't know. Um, I I don't think that herb Simon will ever really call it. I just don't, you know, if they traded Turner at the deadline, then okay. Right. You trade Turner at the deadline. Then you move Brogdon at the draft when he's eligible. And you can do a, a, a true rebuild, but Herb Simon is just like, and I all this is a bad thing. Honestly, I think that the idea that every single NBA team needs to just tear it down and blow it up all the time is wrong. Like Herb Simon's built a team that contended for a title in the, in the early two thousands with um, our test pacers with Reggie in his last years, he built the team that contended in the mid to th- 2010s with David West, Paul George and Roy Hibbert, like, and this team honestly should have always been better. Like they put together a really good roster that just did not work and they had to move on. A lot of guys were upset and just did not like their situation there. Sabonis in, in particular. So I don't think I don't mind it, but I don't, I think that this, the paces are still going to be in between and this is where they always going to want to be is they want to be in between and hope that one year everything falls correctly. I don't think that the, the big conversation that I think since the trade has been, you know, there's been the snarky comments of like, I didn't realize Tyrese Halliburton was a 10 time all-star you know, I think the big deal is trading Tyrese Halliburton for the Kings is not a bad move. Trading Tyrese Halliburton when you're 20 and 35, 21 and 35. Now that's a bad move. Like the gap between you and the Clippers without Kawhi and PG is significant. Like that gap is major. You have to figure out a way now to go from where you are to where the Clippers are without Kawhi and PG and then figure out how to get better from there. And that to me is just like, that's too much to ask. You need to, you, you should have rebuilt. So, you know, if, if we're looking at this and hey, I'm sure we're going to talk about this. Like the Pelicans did the same thing. You mentioned it, teams are going all in on the 10th seed. The league wanted teams to compete and for the play in tournament. The Kings don't want to have the worst playoff drought in history. I get it. But this was out the way, man, like you should have been more attentive in preseason. You should have fired Luke Walton last season. You should have rebuilt. You should have tried to move Fox, all of these things. This team will be better, but they're staring at a 14 game gap between them and 500. You can be under 500 to make the play in the West. But I'll tell you this, whoever winds up in seven and eight by the end of the season in the West are probably still going to be pretty good teams. They will figure out some stuff by then and they'll still, still probably be pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. And right now that that's probably looking like the Lakers and Clippers. So you might do all of this work to finally get into the postseason and get your 10 seed, whether that's the Kings, whether that's the Pelicans. And your reward is probably not even getting a chance at the Lakers or Clippers. If they're the 7-8, you might just get a shot at Minnesota. And even if you win that one, then you lose to whichever LA team is left over, or, or you might get blown out by the Lakers or Clippers. So the other thing too the West is not normally the soft. This is this random downswing in the West this year with all these various injuries. And so I think these teams are making a mistake by looking at getting to the 10 seed, which isn't that valuable anyway for probably one playoff game. And it's a deflated 10 seed because of teams like the Blazers, teams like the Clippers, and the Lakers who are struggling with all these injuries. So the Blazers are another team. The Blazers opted out of the 10-seed race. The Blazers have blown it up. They kept Dame. They got rid of everything else, basically. I guess they kept Nurkic as well. So we know that they traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers for Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson in a second. Not much of a haul there. Keon Johnson is a talented rookie, but you're basically doing a salary dump. Getting off of Covington, who you gave up two seconds for, Getting off of Norman Powell, he traded Trent and a first round four. They're gone. Then, on Tuesday, the Blazers make another trade. C.J. McCollum heads to the Pelicans. Pelicans, the other all-in team on the 10 seed, they gave up Josh Hart, Tomas Sadaransky, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who got rerouted in another other deals, and they got a first round or a couple seconds. So basically, Portland took the team that we knew that they had for this whole time CJ's gone. Norma's gone. Covington is gone. And to show for it, they have Josh Hart and a bunch of picks and that's where the blazers are left. However, they have a ton of cap room. They have hard, they have picks. We'll come back to the blazers. What about the Pelicans here? The Pelicans get CJ McCollum. They've got Ingram, Devonte Graham, hopefully at some point, maybe in the next 10 years, Zion Williamson plays again. So Raheem, do you have any good feeling about the Pelicans here? Can they make a run to the ten seed? I don't know what to make of this Pelicans team right
2: now. They've won some games against some teams where I felt like it said more about the team than the actual Pelicans. So I just don't know what to make of them right now. I think for next year, they're possibly a play-in team. But when you look at them last year with, with Zion and Ingram healthy, they weren't very good. And you're asking me if, adding CJ to that mix is going to change a lot. And I'm not sure that's the case. They're a fringe playing team at best.
1: Matt, what did you think about what the Blazers here? You just said it's not right for every team to blow it up. The Blazers truly blew it up here, but I think did all right for themselves. You're shaking your head no. How do you feel about Portland? They didn't blow it up.
0: That's the weird thing, Brennan. They didn't blow it up. You want to know why? They're going to re-sign Nergens this summer for a big contract. I have no idea why. I have zero idea why they're going to do this. They were in talks to add Jeremy Grant. Right. So if they if you walk away and you're like, OK, we got rid of, of Powell and Covington. We picked up some first rounders and we can use other trades to add another guy. We're going to get Jeremy Grant. We're going to have Dame and Jeremy Grant and Nurkic. That's our core. I would still be like, you realize the Dame and Nurkic cannot guard together. Like they cannot. You have to play drop with Nurkic. You cannot play drop, drop with Dame. You need to play switch with Dame. You cannot play switch with Nurkic. That combination does not make any sense. They are trying to middle this. That's what they're trying to do. They are trying to middle it, and it is a mistake. The Blazers will probably get a good pick this year, right? What they win the lottery, and they get Jabari Smith. Oh, wow. Like, that's amazing. I'm not kidding. Like, that really is amazing. Like, you got Jabari Smith and Nurkic. You're still going to have this problem. We'll see where Dame is at. This is the thing, is we'll see where Dame is at once free agency hits. Because every team is going to make it known, hey, if you want to come win, we're ready for you. And they going to have to make that decision about whether or not he trusts this front office going this route or not. But they need to be very careful because if Dame is gone, that's when you need to just like completely rebuild. They're trying to middle this Brandon, And I think I do not think it is a wise decision. That's
1: the thing, too. You know, they cleared out space for Dan Free Simons to get more time. He's going to get the big contract. Also, he might just kind of take on the CJ money that they just cleared out here even if they get Jabari Smith or whoever that is and Simons, does that even help? Because that that's not a middle. Like Jabari Smith and Anthony Simons are not ready to take Dame and Nurkic to a title right now. They're on a totally different timeline than that team. Uh, Raheem, let's talk about the Clippers. You've been our Clippers guy for a long time. Clippers pick up Norm Powell. They got Covington, who's expiring, but they got his bird rights now. I think you're excited about the Clippers in the future. How far into the future? Are they a real threat this season? Is this a next year play? How do you play them?
2: If they opened up futures for the 2022, 23 NBA season, I think we would all be on the Clippers futures. They have the defense, like they have all the pieces around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George that you would want. And now they actually have guys who can score the basketball. I think that's been an issue this team has had all year long, but like, Really, really like this team, and then I think the additions of Norman Powell and, and Robert Covington make them even more dangerous. So as soon as you get your stars back, I think they're very dangerous. But it looks like Paul George is going to be out for a couple of more weeks. I don't know if they're going to bring him back this year, but if they bring him back this year, I think you can start looking at this team to make the postseason. Because to me, they're better than the Lakers. We've seen them beat the Lakers full strength without Paul George. So you add Paul George to the mix this is a team that I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking on futures to possibly win the NBA
1: title. Do you think the Clippers can make any noise this year? Yeah. the am play in race.
0: So I think, I think this is gonna be our angle, right? Is we'll bet on them. Let's not do any futures. Just take them in the playing game, right? They'll probably be short versus the Lakers. If they face them, they'll be longer if they face the Pelicans or whoever else, or if they like, if they're on the road versus the wolves, we we could probably take them there. They're a more experienced team, especially if they get PG back. And then in the first round, like let's just take them on the games line, right? They'll be plus two and a half and they'll be big dogs to the Suns. And that like if they get the that's the ideal scenario, actually, is if the is if the Wolves beat them and they get into the eighth spot and we get to bet on the Clippers plus two and a half games versus the Suns, Raheem. Like that to me is like the spot, right? We like the matchup versus the Suns. The Suns are a dominant team, but they hate teams that switch. The Clippers can switch everything. They've got Zubash to battle inside versus Aiden. They've got wing defenders. Paul George can get them the offense. They may not win the series, but we can just bet on the on that uh on the games line, and that's how we can go. And if they do manage to pull off some upset versus the Warriors or the Suns, right? Then we can look at, okay, do we, you know, where do we think this team is? Ty Luce said the other day, he doesn't think Kawhi is coming back. So I think that's got to factor into any decision you make on futures. I will say this, two things. One, I think Marcus Morris is probably gone in the offseason. Two, I get one to buy on the futures. I'll probably bet him if we get a good number because they're probably going to be low, right? They get bounced in the first Mm -hmm. round. We'll still get a good enough number to bet them to win the title. The only reason I would say, like, you get a little bit of caution, Kawhi Leonard has the best player on a team, has one title in which a lot of things went his way. Before that, I don't think you can argue that in 2004, uh, 14. like Tony Parker was still the best player on that team. Kawhi was like a was still like a defender at that point. Has not yeah. taken teams. And the leadership thing is a question. I think yeah got a lot of other other question marks there. Um, I don't think they're a lock. But we're the thing is like we're still going to get such a good number on the Clippers yeah. this summer. We're going to have to bet them. I think they win the title.
1: Yeah, I think the angle on Clippers' futures is to wait until their Clippers present. And we actually know is Kawhi playing? Is PG back? Is he healthy this season? And like you said, Matt, play them live in a play game in the first round. Uh, let's talk just a little bit about the top of the west before we get out of here. Not a lot of big shakeup at the top. The Warriors and Grizzlies stand pat. The Suns bring back Tory Craig. They got Aaron Holiday just adding a little bit of fringe depth there. The Jazz had the chance to make a move. They did. They got rid of Joe Ingles and brought in Nikhil Alexander Walker and Juancho Hernan Gomez. So not a lot of big trades moving the needle at the top of the West. Basically, the top four for the most part stand pat. So, Matt, among those top four, is there any does the trade deadline impact how we view the West future, or did everything just kind of stay like we thought it
0: was? Suns got better. You know, I think Torrey Craig helps. It's just like another wing. The other thing I would I would tell you to keep an eye on is like campaigns been been hurt and in and out. And I, you know, he's regressed a little bit. I like Aaron holiday a lot. I liked him since he was drafted. Um, basically mm-hmm. if your last name is holiday, I think you're a good NBA player. Um, <laughs> so I like having Aaron holiday as like an emergency option. If they need another guard, this team doesn't have any weaknesses. They just don't, there's no, there's no position where you're like they could really use a X. X none. They're yeah. just, they got a billion wings. They got the point. God, they've got an all-star scorer. They've got a big man who wrecked the playoffs last year. They've got good death behind Aiton. Like, they have so many freaking bigs. Bismack Biombo, JaVale McGee, Frank Kaminsky, still hurt can come back, gave them good minutes. Like... What's the status of Can Saric come back? And Saric, I did not expect it. But, like, it would be, nah, he's not coming back. There's no way, because he he got hurt in the final, So, I I wouldn't expect to see him back this year. So, like, they, they may struggle versus five ball, you know, small ball five out. There's not a lot of teams that can do that in the West. So mm. uh, I think the Suns are absolutely loaded. We've been talking about how they're the best value on the board, and they're still they're still not the favorites. Um, to me, they're absolutely, if you're betting one team to win the title right now, it's got to be Phoenix.
1: Brayman, all up for you, what's your takeaway at the top of the list?
2: Yeah, I think Matt mentioned it for me. Like, I really love the move for Torrey Craig. Like, when you look at the Suns, their bigs are absolutely loaded. Obviously, you got Aiden, you got Javel McGee. Chris Paul has Bismack Miyamo playing the best basketball we've seen since he was with the Toronto Raptors. So that made Jalen Smith all but expendable, and he's been looking solid. He did an a, a incredible job at developing him. So I, I really like bringing in Tory Craig to get that extra wing defender in there. And like Matt said, they're, they're completely stacked. I mean, you got Jay Crowder, you got Cam Johnson, you got Tory Craig, you got wings. You the only the only position that you could honestly say that they might be a little weak at if campaign isn't healthy it's backup point guard, but campaign's not in a lineup. that you just run Booker at point. Chris Paul's not in the game. So I think the Suns are really solid. Obviously the Warriors didn't make any moves. The jazz, they kind of went for the, the salary dump. I guess they decided that they're not paying the tax for this team, but I'm not really that high on, on the jazz. I mean, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing what's going to happen if Jamal Murray is going to come back and are the, are the, the nuggets going to be able to make a run. But I think right now we kind of just got to wait for the buyout market, which as much as we all always hype the buyout market, how many times does a buyout guy actually impact anything? Like a lot of these guys just, they tend to not do anything. So I, I think we have our opinions. And I, I think right now the Suns are the team to beat.
1: Yeah. I don't think that in the West, the moves that we saw on the trade deadline really shake up the, the picture all that much. Uh, we're, we're kind of out on Utah and Dallas, but I'm not sure that any of the three of us were ever really in, I guess I was more in on Utah, but been fading and none of us were really ever in on Dallas and certainly less. So I in on
2: Dallas, I was a little bit in on Dallas. Cause I felt like they had a
1: chance to make the leap. I'm not going
2: to downgrade them night to night too much, but I think as far as their chances of making the leap in the postseason, I don't see it.
1: I will say, I really like Utah picking up Nikhil Alexander Walker. I'm not sure it's going to move the needle in a huge way on their title chances or whatever their chances are left this year. Uh, But I thought Portland made made a mistake here, just kind of offloading him for basically a second-round pick. You need a young player, and uh, I like his ability to play off the ball, maybe and play a little bit of wing minutes for them. He's a nice defender and a good shooter. So I think he could actually take some minutes for Utah. They need some minutes on the wing with Ingles out and be a perimeter defender as well. Another shortcoming that they have.
0: I mean, he, I wouldn't say he's a good perimeter defender. I think he's like uh, him and Jordan Clarkson are pretty like. It, yeah. I don't think
1: he's of- Jordan Clarkson to me. I, he, he was a, coming out of college of attack. He was, he was a very nice perimeter defender and I'm not willing to make too many judgments about his development at new Orleans, where I just don't really think it's been a real basketball situation. So it, it's a young player. I like to see in a fresh start at, at a place where they've developed players well in Utah. I think Look, it's a nice pickup for them. That's
0: fine. I'm just telling you that this is what the Jazz did. They said, this team isn't good enough to win a title, so we're getting under the tax. That's how other teams around the league, league reddit. Maybe they go on a run. Maybe it falls into their lap. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a good team. But that is the read that people are getting on Utah, is that ownership said, this team can't win a title. I don't want to pay tax on it.
1: Yeah, it certainly is that. I just like that they picked up Alexander Walker on the cheap as well. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up today. A lot of moves in the trade deadline, and we will be circling back to lots of these as we start to see these new lineups take place. So uh, lots to take away here, lots of big trades. I told Matt yesterday I thought maybe the fireworks were mostly done, and that was not the case. We got a ton of big trades today. We'll just see what the Nets and Sixers look like and how some of these odds shake up as the future's odds come back out. We'll be back, of course, next week for all the usual podcasts at the Bucket Speed heading toward the All-Star break only about a week from now. For Matt Moore and Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson. This has been the NBA Trade Deadline Bucket Special. Let's get buckets!